Compliance is a profession where people work tirelessly to make the world a better place. And there are hundreds of amazing and inspiring women who have helped the field develop into what it is today. Great Women in Compliance is part of the Compliance Podcast Network. So join Mary Shirley and Lisa Fine as they talk with women in compliance who are making a difference. You're listening to the Great Women in Compliance Podcast on the Compliance Podcast Network, hosted by Mary Shirley and Lisa Fine. I'm Lisa Fine, and today I'm speaking with Kim Yapchai, who is the Chief Ethics and Compliance Officer at Tenica. For me, Kim is also somebody who I've wanted to speak with for a while, and I'm just so thrilled that you are my first guest in 2020. Um, Kim has been at Tenica for the past two years after working at Whirlpool and has used transformative leadership, which we will discuss, throughout her career to build world-class compliance programs. Kim, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you. It's an honor to be here and kick off the year for you. Well, thank you. And can we start by talking a little bit about how you started in compliance and in your background? Sure. So I actually have spent my entire career as an in-house attorney. It's a bit unusual. And funny story, I got into compliance involuntarily and not by choice. During the 2009 recession, I was an assistant GC at Masco Corporation, and we lost almost half of our legal staff. The GC asked me to handle compliance. And frankly, my first thought was how everyone groans and rolls their eyes each time an online training was launched, and including myself. To be honest, I was not excited about the opportunity, but I decided to make the most of it and I made it my mission to take the groan out of compliance. One of the things, um, when did you start to actually like, like it more and how did you start? I, I started off, I think, naturally approaching the design of the program from the employee point of view, right? Rather than just my legal experience, I chose to incorporate financial acumen and address why does it matter to them? Why should they listen to me? And I remember a particular turning point, one of the first presentations I did incorporated a second city video, with, it was regarding the hotline. And humor had never been used before, and my boss was really skeptical about it, but let me proceed. And the presentation also incorporated the concept of return on integrity. I was taking a risk. And as soon as I stepped off the stage, I knew it had been the right one. The CFO told me that it was one of the best presentations he had seen. I had engaged the employees without using legal terms and connected it to why it matters to each individual employee. I'm going to say that, you know, this must have made it make the starting point of you really enjoying it and thinking, wait, this is more different than what I thought. It did, and my experience uh, with having compliance added to my role really made me more open when Whirlpool approached uh, and wanted to recruit me for 2014, the chief compliance officer position. And you were their first chief compliance officer, correct? I was. When I arrived at Whirlpool, they had a a good foundation for the program. but they had just completed an acquisition in China and Eastern Europe. So their legal risk profile was changing significantly and they realized they needed to structure the compliance function differently to integrate the new companies. So while there had been a chief compliance officer there before, 
it hadn't been a person who was 100% dedicated to the role. They had to split and wear many hats, like, like in many other companies. And, you know, and then how did you take that as the first person, you know, to do that role in that particular way um, and, and make it into sort of a more creative and build the, build the compliance function, um, given the, the different things going on? When I started, it was viewed very much as a policing authority, which is common in many companies. So I continued the style that I had used uh, at the prior company and incorporated even more creativity with an online game called Kahoot that's used, frankly, by schools. We did themed compliance activities, interactive compliance weeks, and more. We we used the elements of marketing in consumer products. We developed a net promoter score, right, to measure the impact of our sessions. And we included leaders in what we did so we could easily demonstrate role model behavior. And, and it was a success. I lost track of how many times employees came up to us and said, I've been with the company over 20 years, and this is the best training ever. It, it was fabulous. Yeah. And it sounds like, you know, one of the things that we had talked about, you've mentioned is what a great team you had and the importance of having that. Um, sounds like you really were able to both um, inherit and build a team that was very, very, um, that worked very well with what your objectives were. So, yeah, none of this could have been done by myself. I was really fortunate to have a fabulous team. And in particular, my direct reports, uh, Carlos Navikis is now the on the independent board overseeing Petrobras in Brazil. Boon Kim Pham um, was in China with me, and she's now leading APAC compliance for PVH. Isabel Gonzalez, who is still leading Whirlpool's EMEA program, she actually won one of the Women in Compliance Awards last year. And then Irisema Garja, who is now leading Whirlpool's Latin America Compliance and Northern Commercial Operations. Even Ann Houck, our system administrator, and my executive assistant, Sue Ellen Russell, all of them contributed to what we did and contributed creative ideas. Yeah. And this is where I think one of the times you've talked about how you developed and, and this whole idea of transformational leadership. Um, do you want to talk a little bit about that? from the motivation and you know, inspiring perspective? Sure. Compliance is such a broad role. It really takes a village to be successful in it. So the team and I worked hard to motivate and inspire others. And we grew the Global Compliance Council to 30 members. By the time I left, we had a list of business volunteers who wanted to help us with our sessions. And, and I've had a couple of people come up to me and use the term transformative leadership to describe this approach. What I've noticed is that rather than trying to do it yourself as an individual or just with your direct reports, by working in this partnering and collaborative manner, um, it makes it much easier to run a program and to achieve results more quickly. We earned the designation of world's most company, world's most ethical company in four years and received recognition as top mind from Compliance Week. Yeah, I mean, those are both, you know, terrific awards and two of the best, um, you know, to, to show the work and the changes that um, you've made and also to establish a program. Um, you know, I think after that, um, 2018, fairly soon after that, you ended up moving to your current role at uh, Tenneco. 
Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And uh, it was kind of funny. Shortly after I joined, Tenneco uh, acquired Federal Mogul, which doubled the size of the company to $17 billion. So I found myself in integration environment again. Uh, it kind of felt like it was essentially my normal state at that point, given my experience at Whirlpool and Masco, which also was M&A driven. And I started again by learning the business, explaining the return on integrity, redefining the perception of compliance and forming partnerships. Yeah. One thing you also mentioned is that you still spend time or you do spend time in the uh, Fed Mogul offices in, in Michigan, at least like a one week a month. So you're still a present mm-hmm. there um, in the last couple of years as well, which I'm sure is also very helpful for um, learning the business and, and other aspects of that. So. Absolutely. There's nothing like face-to-face meetings. Yeah. I mean, I, I think that's one of the, the best things that compliance and ethics professionals can do. If people know you and know that you are also as interested in their part of the business as you are with, as they are, you know, to try to do the right thing, it really helps. I mean, mm-hmm. I think it's one of those things that makes a, you know, a huge difference. And I'm, you know, as well as, you know, things like your C-suite executives and board and, you know, and how has that been going? Yeah, I 100% agree with you. I'd rather have somebody meet me uh, before there's an investigation, not during one, right? I am very fortunate at Tenneco. The C-suite and board here are so supportive of compliance. They get it, right? And during my first few months, the the CEO asked me, how does the current program compare to a world-class program? He's not looking for me just to deliver the same old, same old or the minimal. He wants to be the best. And I gave him my honest opinion. I explained to him that a world-class program is holistic and really extends beyond compliance. That's fantastic, too, when you have somebody who's asking about how to have a world-class program, because I'm sure that many people have seen both, you know, individuals are working towards that, and then others who are like, well, what do I have to do to have a program? Um, Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. With that in mind, how did you, you know, how did you talk about the uh, larger gaps, and what did you see? Yeah, our our biggest gap was actually the lack of of a formal corporate social responsibility or it's also called environmental social and governance report. We had some good information posted on our website, but didn't, you know, have that packet of information that people could print and download. Compliance is, of course, one part of that type of program. Um, And what I saw was we were doing a lot of great things in the company but we weren't always telling others about it. So that meant that our customers, analysts, and shareholders didn't have the benefit of the information to evaluate us or choose to invest in us. So then, you know, you have this gap identified. Who ended up, you know, and how did you end up filling that and working through it um, as well? Well, much to my surprise, he then (laughs) asked me to be the executive sponsor of a project to address the gap. Uh, You know, that hadn't been the plan for the year. Um, But of course, uh, uh, the team and I embraced the opportunity to be able to take it to the next level and, you know, and built the program, um, which to me was a lot of fun because it's really intertwined with operations. It involves diversity, inclusion, right? Um, Governance, so many aspects that really helped the company to 
uh, improve its operations and show its excellence. And this is just one example of partnering with the business to add strategic value, frankly. Yeah, I think I absolutely. I think that um, it, it also reminds me of how when you come up with a great idea, sometimes they someone will come back and say, that's a great idea. Now go for it. Uh, <laughs> right. <laughs> you know, and when you talk about operations, I think it's different, um, you know, in some of the work that you have done, because you've been in some very male dominated industries. And as a woman in those industries, and, you know, I, I mentioned before, in my last role, I worked in airline catering and, and factories and operations that are like that. Um, you know, what, what mm -hmm. challenges or opportunities um, or lessons do you have from there? Yeah, the automotive and manufacturing industry has been historically very male dominated, right? And, and change has occurred and is occurring, but there's still opportunity to improve. I tried to focus on not being stuck on being the only woman in a room. Uh, I focused on what I needed to get done. And when I found roadblocks, I found a way around them and I also looked for ways to help others. I know, um, you know, as, as uh, I know a good friend of, of yours and mine and one of our guests, Stephanie Davis was talking about is that everybody has something that makes them the other in the room when you start focusing. Mm -hmm. And instead of focusing in, you know, what you can contribute to the room, it's, you know, what, what makes you different. Um, but you did have, you have had some, you know, experiences about, you know, with outside counsel or others that I just think are super interesting too. Yeah, I, I Steph has great uh, insights into that, and I, I agree with, with her thoughts. I remember there was one time in my career where an outside counsel came up to me and said, you're different, and I had no idea how to react to that. <laughs> so I simply asked him, okay, what do you mean? And he said, well, you don't act like a man. And I looked back at him and just said, well, because I'm not one. <laughs> I still didn't know what else to say. So why would I, right? Um, the other thing is, uh, is, which may contribute to making me more comfortable in these situations, is I do have a blended heritage. My father's Chinese and my mother is Italian, German, and Irish. So when I'm in a group of Asians, they sometimes perceive me as non-Asian and vice versa. So I've learned to accept that I'm just me and, you know, work through those differences and biases that you encounter from time to time. Yeah. And also, I mean, I, um, I, I apparently look younger for my age as well. I know um, sometimes that may be a challenge for you and you can use that to your advantage. On the other hand, you know, I, I also hope sometimes people will ask me for ID, but I mean, I know that's <laughs> got to have goals. <laughs> exactly. I love that. <laughs> I love that. Um, so, I mean, that also, too, you've mentioned that that sometimes you can use to an advantage as well. Um, yep, absolutely. I remember uh, one vice president that I used to do key customer negotiations with. He used to say, she floats like a butterfly and stings like a bee. <laughs> <laughs> you're going, you're going Muhammad Ali on them. So yeah, exactly. awesome. Yeah, and that's fantastic. But even with the floating and stinging, I mean, one thing that, you know, really 
you know, hit me when I was looking at your LinkedIn as, as we're pre preparing to speak with you is that you really seem to use it. Some people will use it to speak about accomplishments or other things. And while you have a number of those, one of the things that you do is you really use your, um, use your, your, your page and your presence to help connect other people with, um, you know, with employment opportunities or things you know about, or really use it in a way to like benefit almost your network of people more than yourself. Um, and I wanted you to talk a little bit about that. I just thought it was fascinating. Sure. Um, well, you're right. When friends, ha friends have positions that they're trying to fill, I'll post them on LinkedIn to help them. And, and they also help me in return. So it's reciprocal. But it, it really is an example of one of the things I really enjoy about the compliance industry. And that's the willingness of others to collaborate. The chief compliance officer role is a difficult role like general counsel and none of us feel like we are perfect we can all do better and achieve faster results by helping each other none of us have unlimited unlimited staff or resources and the scope and the breadth of the role can be overwhelming so why not use the community to help each other yeah, I, I also have said this before, and I think that this community, because we are never over-resourced and sometimes, you know, can feel very alone in the roles, um, you know, participating in a community and being able to help each other, it does essentially become a professional community that's different from some others. Um, mm -hmm. And you've also done, like, leadership development and been wor working with women in, you know, in, throughout your career. Yeah, I've had the benefit of participating in leadership development programs and seeing the power of women helping women. When I was co-chair of the Michigan State Bars and House Council Committee, I actually formed the first network of women GCs in Michigan and had a lot of fun launching it by having a luncheon with Marianne Hines, who was the first woman to be a GC of a public company. That's really cool, actually. I mean, that's a great way to start it and to extend the compliance, your, your compliance community to GCs and outside of, you know, a smaller group as well. Um, mm -hmm. This is sort of a part of, you know, who you are, it seems like as well. Um, you know, you, you brought into it, right? Mm -hmm. I agree. For me, working and frankly, living this way is natural and fun. And um if it's not natural for others, I, I encourage them to find their own way to tap into the community. Now, is there anything else that I have missed um, that you would want to share um, from your experience, um, from you know, anything else um, during the time that we have left? I would like to thank you and Mary for the time and effort you've put into this podcast. You are serving as role models and supporters for others who are contemplating a change, thinking about implementing something new, or taking themselves and their programs to the next level. Kudos to you and the inspiring ripple effect you have created. You have built a community and we are all better for it. For those listening, I'm planning to take him to all events, particularly family events in the future because, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, we appreciate it a ton and, you know, I, I almost feel like I've repeated, but like it, this community that kind of built itself, I mean, I, we, mm. I feel very, very lucky to have been able to, to do this, but we never kind of anticipated, you know, something like this and we appreciated a ton, you know, from you and, and your willingness to, to help different people throughout the whole ethics and compliance community and, you know, and men and women um, generally in our community. So, 
you know, with that, um, I'd also like to congratulate you for your Women in Compliance Award nomination. Well deserved. Mm -hmm. Thank you. Thank you so much Thank for being you. here. And on behalf of Mary Shirley and me, um, you've listened listening to the Great Women in Compliance podcast on the Compliance Podcast Network. And I hope everybody has a great day. Thanks a lot. Thanks for joining us for this episode of Great Women in Compliance. We hope you'll join us in honoring the great women in the compliance field by subscribing to this podcast and leaving a review.